case, it is Thursday, April 30th. Hope y'all's week has been going right along. Pretty crazy. We're at the end of, what, almost at the end of week seven of, of work from home or stay-at-home order, dealing with all this um, going around now. And so hopefully we're, we're on the uh, uptick soon. Tomorrow, I'm making my way back to Nashville. Had enough time. I spent a good month home with the family up in New York. Now it's time for me to get back down there. They're starting to slowly open up, and and my uh, my job will uh, want me to start um, want me to get back down there. Still working from home, but still they want me to uh, get back down to Nashville. So um, that's what I wanted to do instead of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast this week. I wanted to just do a a quick Monday Thursday because I'll be traveling tomorrow and throughout the rest of the weekend. Um, and look, there's not a whole lot going on in the NFL right now. I'm, I'm trying to think some fun stuff that we can do in these next few months, and hopefully it's only a few months before we've got spring training, or sorry, training camps, preseason, and then the regular season kicking back up. So once we have a, a clear date on um, on when football activities will be resuming and when we can get to training camp and preseason um, we'll be working on some season previews for each team we'll be taking a look and of course uh, right before the season kicks off we'll, we'll go through you know predictions awards and, and Super Bowl teams so we'll get to all that when it goes down but uh, I'm, I'm thinking of some other weekly things we can do in the meantime um, but for today basically um, we are going to be looking at who I thought you know my top five teams based on what they did this offseason who had the uh, five best off seasons, I guess, is the best way to put that. So we'll go from five to one, taking a look at uh, free agency, the draft. Not only you know how did teams you know make big splashes in free agency, how did they um, be able to you know replace some losses on the team? So we'll go through those five, and then post draft free agency, we're we're beyond the the, the juicy parts of the off season. We'll be taking a look at my top ten teams now heading in uh, to the upcoming season. Of course, that can change through injuries or you know even some key free agents that are still available out there. You think a, a Jadeveon Clowney, if a team that's in you know my 11 to 14 range signs him and it's a massive upgrade in a position of need where they could catapult themselves to top 10, it could certainly change by then. I, like I said, we go through preseason and, and we see you know, some rookies really start to pop. You know, I may have a total, I, I will have a different outlook, of course, once we're through the preseason, but this is just taking a look at the rosters, at the depth chart saying, okay, if the season were to start today, these would be my top 10. So we'll just cover those two things today um, and then we'll, we'll carry on to your weekend and hopefully uh, by next week, we will have some uh, some more fun things to, to do in some weekly segments. So let's kick it off. With my five best off seasons, we'll go from five to one. And just taking a look, there's, there's you know, one team that was um, very good last season. The other four are teams that, uh, you know, in my eyes, have a chance to really take a jump next year. Um, so number five, we're going to head to the AFC West. Very, very tough division. Of course, the reigning Super Bowl champions are, are, are there uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs. My fifth best offseason is awarded to the Denver Broncos. Um, I think you take a look at, um, you know, how they came along in the month of December. And, and, you know, it seems Drew Locke and that offense has a lot of promise. John Elway realized that. And he went pretty heavy in free agency in the draft. And, and to me, knocked it out of the park. 
Uh, you take a look at some of their key um, acquisitions. Via trade, they were able to get A.J. Bouye from the Jaguars and also get Jarrell Casey up in that front seven there. They signed Graham Glasnow, guard, um, to help with that interior offensive line. Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, kind of a guy that got a little, um, caught a little flag last year, of course, from sitting out for a while. And when he came back, wasn't as great as he had been. But I think you've got him and Philip Lindsay in there. That's a great running back duo. Um, you bring in Sam Martin, tight end Nick Vanette, re-signed Shelby Harris. Um, so I think what they did in the free agency period was pretty strong. You know, you take a look at who they lost. Um, a couple names, you know, the quarterback's not too worried about Brandon Allen and Joe Flacco gone. That's fine. They're not your starters. Now you lose Ronald Leary, uh, Connor McGovern, who was their starting center. Um, you, you lose a guy like Derek Wolf uh, on that front seven. And then some other guys in the defensive backs, you know, Chris Harris Jr., Cyrus Jones, and then also Will Park. So they did lose some guys. But I think you take a look, you know, you lose Chris Harris Jr., you bring in A.J. Bouye. Um, you replace these guys with with valuable replacements, you know, Graham Glasgow uh, on that interior offensive line. Um, you bring in Jarrell Casey up front. Um, and, and then they finish it off with a great draft. You know, I gave them... Um, a lot of credit for how they uh, drafted in, in last episode. Um, you just take a look at the names, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Wide receiver trio with those two, and Cortland Sutton is phenomenal with Noah Fant as tight end as well too. Um, they've got one of my favorite corners in my top 100, Michael OJ Mudia. Still haven't gotten that down. Um, they got my second favorite interior offensive lineman in Lloyd Cushenberry. And then uh, up front, defensively, Natane Muti as well, too. Or, sorry, offensively. Um, so, the Broncos, you know, I, I think they did a really good job. I think, you know, in that division, it's going to be tough. The Raiders are, are no joke for sure. Um, you know, they have a few questions, I guess, still in the secondary to me. Um, not fully sold on Derek Carr, John Gruden relationship. But um, then you take a look at the Chargers as well, too. I, I love what they did this offseason. They didn't crack my top five, but what they did in the draft was was phenomenal, I, I think, in getting you know, one of the top linebackers and then also being able to get, um, to get Justin Herbert was solid. So I think Denver, you know, in a crowded division, if Drew Locke can hit and take that next step in his second season and he's got the help around him, this could be the second best team in that division, definitely. Um, and at least one that is up there with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, as I expect them to be. So tough division to be in with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I love what Denver did. Uh, you know, replacing, you know, key, you know, holes on the roster, getting weapons around for their young quarterback. So um, I'm not always too um, in love with, with John Elway and what he's able to bring in uh, offensively for their teams, but I think that they, they did a good job building around their young quarterback. So number five to the Denver Broncos. Number four will head stay in the AFC, but will go up to the AFC North. I really like uh, what the Cleveland Browns were able to do. You go through the list of free agent additions, Andrew Billings, Adrian Claiborne uh, in that front seven. You got Jack Conklin, starting right tackle, potential left tackle. They did pay him a lot of money, so not sure where he's going to sit up. Um, you get B.J. Goodson, Austin Hooper. You, you've got a great two tight end set with him and David Njoku now. Andy Yanovich uh, via trade. You've got a fullback now for that power run offense. If you're trying to go two tight end sets, maybe a fullback. They got some heavy power sets in there as well too. Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph, Case Keenum, Andrew, Sen, Sen, Andrew Sendejo. Um, so 
free agency, they were very active. They got the top tackle available. They got the top tight end available. Um, filled in some other uh, areas too. Resigned Kareem Hunt. So Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt still that strong RB uh, duo there. You take a look at who they've lost. Not a ton of huge names. Drew Stanton, Rashard Higgins, who actually, excuse me, since uh, I believe yesterday, resigned Rashard Higgins. So uh, he is actually back there. Demetrius Harris, Christian Kirksey, Joe Schobert, TJ Carey, Eric Murray, and Demarius Randall. So not a ton of huge losses there. And then the draft, I, I say this all the time, and I, I'll probably say it one or two more times uh, in this episode. I think when you can, I think if you can walk out of the draft with two to three key players, I, I think you've not, I think you've done a great job in the draft. And they, they got three to me. They got Jedrick Wills, my, uh, second ranked offensive tackle in this class and like I said he can play left he can play right uh, kind of figure out where to where to put him and um, Jack Conklin uh, during the preseason and figure that out Grant Del Pitt look he dropped pretty far you know into the second round from what was you know once assumed a top 10 talent so if he can pan out there that's a solid get in the back end of that defense and then up front defensively with Jordan Elliott um, kind of this plug hole guy in the middle of their defense so you know, the Browns, they had a lot of hype last year. They massively underperformed. But when you take a look at their biggest problems, they really addressed it all. The big thing, Baker Mayfield needs protection. There are a few quarterbacks in this league that the difference behind a good offensive line and a bad offensive line is so key to their game. And uh, I think not only will we get a much better season from Baker in year three um, and kind of a bounce back season for him after a disastrous 2019. I also think it opens up the run game for Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, and defensively, look, they still got holes at linebacker. You know, I don't like their linebacking core currently as it is, but they got um, bigger up front. They added in some key guys in the secondary. So the Browns, to me, you know, I'm, I'm like I was saying in last episode, I wasn't really sold on what the Steelers did in the draft. They're obviously not going to be in my, um, they're not going to be in my top. <clears throat> excuse me, five draft class, and they're not in my top 10 teams heading into next season. They were the only team in my draft to not land one of my top 100 players. They they didn't have a ton of picks early on, but still um, didn't get any of those value guys to me, really. So I'm not sold on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and if you take a look at it, the Browns, with what they did in free agency, and you take a look at the roster and the receiving talent, the offensive line play, everything they brought to the table, this team should be second place in the AFC North. Uh, by the end of next season at the very least. So um, I, I think we all expect Baltimore to still be number one. But if the Browns can can be a 9 or 10 win team and get in one of those wild card spots, um, I think I think that's um, uh, that should be the expectations for the Browns after, uh, you know, filling all the holes from what was a, a disappointing season last year. So I've got the Browns at number four. So moving right along to number three. You know, this might come as a surprise that they're not two or one necessarily, um, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, you take a look at the acquisitions, who they re-signed, who they lost. It's not a ton of names on there, but the names are impactful. You know, you got Tom Brady, who is the greatest quarterback of all time. Is he in the top five now in terms of talent? No. Um, is he still a serviceable starter in this league and a winner that can that can bring leadership to a locker room? Yes. You bring in Rob Gronkowski. Yes. Injury concerns are 100% there. He's 31 years old now, and you know 
has taken a beating for the last several years. He's been out of football for over a year now, lost a lot of weight. Now he's got a few months to try and put that all back on. Is he going to be more of a bigger slot receiver? Is he going to be a traditional tight end? Not entirely sure. Uh, you bring in a swing tackle and Joe Haig from the Indianapolis Colts. He's going to be there in those bigger, um, you know, six offensive lineman sets. And then you bring in Kevin Minter as well, too. You franchise tag Shaquille Barrett after a tremendous season um, last year. Uh, you bring in Blaine Gabbert as a backup quarterback. You re-sign him. You re-sign Jason Pierre-Paul to a two-year deal. Ryan Smith and Adama Kingsu as well, too. So um, some of the names up front, look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven is filthy. You know, the questions weren't about their front seven. And after the acquisition of Tom Brady, it really wasn't about the passing offense with Rob Gronkowski and you know, and all those other guys up there, Marquis Goodwin, Mike Evans, um, you know, you want to go OJ Howard, Cameron Braden there as well, too. The question was the secondary. Um, so I don't have them up two or one because while they did get one of my, they got my top safety prospect in Anton Winfield Jr. at safety. So um, should be a, a really good guy at the back of that defense. The corners still worry me. Um, you take a look at who they lost, you know, Jameis, who is now in New Orleans. They lost Peyton Barber, Brashad Perriman, that is with the Jets now. DeMar Dotson and Carl Nassib, not a ton of like, oh shit, I can't believe we lost this guy kind of guys. And, and you know, the replacements are there um, at quarterback, receiver. Brashad Perriman is a is one of the best wide receiver threes if you, if you want to slate him there. Um, and so he'll have more... Um, touches up with the Jets, obviously, as he moves up their depth chart than he would behind Goodwin and Evans, but um, not a huge loss when you can replace him with some, some you know, extra tight end play and things like that. Um, so, you know, they didn't lose a ton of guys. They didn't bring in a ton of guys. I did love their draft. Like I was saying with the uh, Browns, if you can get two to three key guys that you can guarantee will go in there and be plug and play guys, I think it's a pretty solid draft for you. They got at least two, potentially a third. You know, Tristan Wirfs was my top-rated tackle. He fell over some concerns. He may be guard, but you can put him at right tackle, um, and I think he'll be a solid guy there. Uh, then you also go in and you sign Keyshawn Vaughn uh, to be essentially the running back too, but a really good receiving back. Uh, you think with with who Brady has worked with in the past, you know, from a guy like Danny Woodhead to a guy like James White. Um, he should get a lot of targets in those short yardage uh, situations and, and be given a, a lot of opportunity um, to be the a solid receiving back for the Buccaneers. So, look, on paper, they probably had the biggest turnaround this offseason of any team that, you know, okay, they were out of the playoffs, a losing team last year, a quarterback that is highly inefficient. Fast forward through this entire offseason, you'd say, okay, you know, they're, they're not the Saints yet, but they're up there. They're probably going to be a playoff team. I think you take a look at how they transform this offseason. Not only is it huge for on-the-field uh, play, but also for, you know, national attention. Look, they weren't that recognizable of a franchise franchise before him. The lowest win percentage since entering the league. And now you bring in Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. There's a whole lot more pizzazz in Tampa. And so for those reasons, I have them at number three. Sure, you could say when you acquire the GOAT, and, you know, potentially the GOAT tight end if he was healthy. Uh, you would say that that's a number one type offseason. But there are two teams that I think when you take a look at the, at the sheer number of additions, um, and, and there's just two teams that stand out to me more than the Buccaneers. So five, the Broncos, four, the Browns, three, 
the Buccaneers, uh, my only NFC team that I have in the top five off seasons. So just a little hint at where I'm going for these final two. And this next one, I've gotten into a lot of debates over this team, and I'm, I, I sincerely am not coming from a homer perspective, but I do think that the Indianapolis Colts had a fabulous offseason, um, and I've got them at number two. So you take a look at where they were last season. Great offensive line, great wide receiver one in T.Y. Hilton, solid tight end play, great running game. Uh, defensively, the front seven is stout. You know, the secondary is still a little weak, but you got young guys out there like Rocky Asin, Malik Hooker. Uh, the real problem, you know, was 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 quarterback play, um, and then also, I guess, weapons around that. So what did they do this offseason? They trade the 13th overall pick for the second best defensive tackle in football. DeForest Buckner, young guy, he's not old, so they gave him a big extension. They're paying him a lot, $21 million a year, but he's, what, 26 years old? So, you know, you're getting him for the prime of his career there. You bring in other guys, um, you know, that have upside, like a Trey Burton. When he wasn't healthy in Chicago, it didn't really pan out. He had great success with Frank Reich before. Now in that offense, he'll be, you know, the tight end two or three uh, behind Jack Doyle. High upside guy, low salary. The risk is really not that severe. The same can be said for Xavier Rhodes, who was signed to a one-year $3 million deal uh, to be Probably the starting cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. It was really bad last year. Really bad in Minnesota. But they didn't overpay him. They got him in at a very cheap price. It was a position of need. And if he can bounce back, that's great. You've got, one, you've got at one point, one of the best cornerbacks in football. Maybe just had a bad year last year. Maybe it was just an off season. And he can bounce back. Um, at the very least, it's a veteran experience for a young secondary. And then the big one, obviously, bringing in Philip Rivers to replace Jacoby Brissett. Now, I've been so split between a few people I talk to when it comes to Philip Rivers. I've heard people say that, you know, they won't even get average starting caliber talent out of Philip Rivers. And that just, that baffles me a little bit. So, first off, the weapons, they're not as great as they were Um you know, the, the passing weapons aren't as great as they were in Los Angeles. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, he doesn't necessarily have that. He's got T.Y. Hilton. They go in and they draft Michael Pittman. They've got, you know, Jack Doyle. It's not as good as what it was. But where it's better and where it's going to really help out Phillip Rivers is, A, the pass protection. One of the worst offensive lines last year with the Chargers now is behind the best offensive line in the Indianapolis Colts. And then also... More success in the run game will take the pressure off of Phillip Rivers. Austin Eckler is a great running back. He's also mostly a really good receiving back. So in the run game, there wasn't a whole lot to deal with. Even when Melvin Gordon came back, he wasn't that great. The run game is going to take a ton of pressure off of Phillip Rivers and not have to do everything. So I, I expect the interceptions to come down. He was forcing a lot last year because he had to. There wasn't balance to the offense. There's going to be a lot of balance this year. Um, so... Those were the acquisitions uh, in free agency. Then you go and you re-sign Anthony Costanzo, who was, you know, thinking about retirement. You bring him back. He's one of the better left tackles in football. And then you, you know, re-sign another depth offensive line guy like LaRaven Clark. The losses, not a whole lot that scares me. Devin Funches, we only got him for a game, really. Um, and he's now with the Packers. Eric Ebron, great with Andrew Luck. I think that more just might be that Andrew Luck was one of the best quarterback talents in football. 
not great last year. He's now with the Steelers. Joe Haig, like we were mentioning, is now with the Buccaneers. Uh, you lose some guys up front. Margus Hunt, you replace him with DeForest Buckner. Jabal Sheard, still a free agent. Wouldn't necessarily rule it out if the Colts were able to bring him back. Pierre Desir, Clayton Gathers, Brian Hoyer, Dontrell Illman, Inman, and Chester Rogers. Not a lot of huge losses. And where they did lose guys, they replaced them. So wide receiver, like I was saying, they lost some of those depth guys, but they bring in Michael Pittman Jr., um, you know, a guy that I think has the Mike Williams-type potential, is going to be a great fit with uh, Phillip Rivers on those post-corner routes. Um, you, you draft Jonathan Taylor. Look, was it a little bit of a reach? Is it surprising that Chris Ballard took a running back in the second round? Definitely. Was it a bad pick? No. You know, the way I loved with this pick is that it shows that they're not going to pay big money to Marlon Mack. Running backs don't really deserve, you know, second contracts or big contracts unless they're a Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley type talent. So this shows you that they're committed to, you know, not overpaying at a running back, but also a filthy one-two punch with Marlon Mack, <clears throat> excuse me, and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, draft guys, you know, safety, Julian Blackman, probably transitioning him to corner, uh, Jacob Eason, backup quarterback. And, and then look, you know, at the end, they got some good value. Danny Pinter, um, you know, a, a Mac guy, offensive lineman, big boy. Um, he could fill in a depth guy or potentially even go to guard. I wouldn't be surprised. And then you got to respect the specs. Undrafted free agent Rodrigo Blankenship, we left so many, po the Colts, sorry, not saying we, the Colts left so many points on the board last year. Um, you know, due to a very down season from Adam Vinatieri, this guy was solid in college, um, and I think that he'll be uh, he'll be a great get for the Colts if he can be their starting kicker. So, to me, the Colts, you take a look at what they were able to upgrade. They they upgraded quarterback, they upgraded running back, upgraded receiving core. The offensive line couldn't get better. It couldn't. It's the best. Defensive tackle upgrade. Pass rush upgrade, secondary upgrade. The only place they didn't really get a ton better was was you know tight end and linebacker. But where else did they not upgrade? Safety got better, corners got better. You know the Colts really. You take a look at the comparison from the roster last year to the roster this year. They're far and away better. I I think you know even even to the point of kicker they got better. So I. A lot of this anger, and, and you guys might be agreeing with me that the Colts knocked it out of the park. I've been hearing from a few people that maybe they're just looking to push my buttons, but they don't agree. They don't think the Colts really did a whole lot that was interesting to push them into, you know, a playoff contender or, you know, being kings of the AFC South again. Personally, I think they did, and I'm usually very negative about the Colts. So uh, to, you know, to finally be positive and then hear everybody else tell me that they're not that hot shit as I think they are was kind of upsetting. But I really do think you take a look at each team, what they did this offseason between free agency and the draft. The Colts almost got better at every single position. So I have them at number two. And then number one, and this one is a scary sight for the rest of the league, for the AFC, for the defending champions. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens had the best offseason of any team in the NFL. Let's go through who they lost real quick. Well, that should have been probably the better way to go with the losses first. So they lose Seth Roberts. They trade away Hayden Hurst. Marshall Yonder retires. They lose two guys or three guys up front in Chris Wormley, Michael Pierce, and Demata Pecco. Linebackers, they lose Patrick 
Anwasar, they lose Pernell McPhee, Brandon Carr, and Tony Jefferson. Okay, some significant losses. Tony Jefferson, great safety, not not too big of a loss. You know, Marshall Yonda, you can't get around that. If he's retiring, he's retiring. Hayden Hurst, they got a lot of tight ends there. They didn't need him, got, got a good pick for him. So, so there are some losses there. But then what they were able to do, you know, they trade for Calais Campbell. They get Derek Wolf To replace Marshall Yonda, two days ago they signed DJ Fluker. Then they go and they have one of the best drafts. Oh, sorry, let's, let's go through who they re-signed. Matt Judon gave him the franchise tag. Jimmy Smith and Jihad Ward. They bring in, bring back three very key parts of that defense from last year while getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the front seven. Then they draft my top linebacker in Patrick Queen, my third-ranked running back in J.K. Dobbins, uh, one of my top defensive tackles in Justin Matabuke, Devin Duvernay, a round three grade that I had on wide receiver, and then Malik Harrison, also a top 100 player for me at linebacker. You know, I, my question with the Ravens is just the... In, in terms of long-term plans, we just haven't seen a quarterback pan out for a lengthy career with the style of play like Lamar Jackson. Even Michael Vick, who is the, the closest comparison we have, had to change his game after a certain amount of time. Now, Lamar is a good passer. He's got good accuracy. Um, great with a lead. Playing from behind... Not too great. You know, you t think of that Titans game where they just, you know, Tennessee just hopped out of the gate um, and took a big lead. Lamar looked flustered out there. Didn't really have a whole lot of confidence in himself coming back from that lead. Um, so that's my one concern. But you take a look. They are filthy on defense. I mean, one of the top defenses last year, and you add Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. You bring back Matt Judon, Jimmy Smith, Jihad Ward, and then you draft Patrick Queen, Justin Matabuke, Emily Harrison. That's filthy. That, that, that is unfair. They had one of the best drafts. They traded for some of the best available guys uh, in free agency. And, and look, it all comes back to, to what I say about be, building a winning franchise in 2020. You need one clear message from ownership down to the last guy on the roster, and the Ravens have that. They are going to be hard-hitting in the trenches Stout front seven, ton of depth. And on offense, they're going to ground and pound with you. And, of course, with Lamar Jackson, they can add some pizzazz on the outside with, with quick runs, with option plays. He's a good thrower as well, too. So um, we'll walk through the top ten, and we'll see where I have the Baltimore Ravens. But they had the best offseason to me. So they had the best. The Colts had the second best. Buccaneers at three. Browns at four. And Broncos at five. Um, so a really strong offseason for the AFC. And you take a look, at, you know, last year, in the last few years, the NFC has been pretty dominant. Now, the Patriots and the Chiefs have been great in the AFC, but there's a lot more great teams in the NFC. So for those four teams to go out there and have some of the best offseasons, maybe we get some more balance between both conferences next year. Um, but it, hats off to those five teams. And, and there were a few others I could put in there. You know, I wasn't. I, I did like what the Jets did in the draft, but free agency wasn't a whole lot of, of love for me. I didn't. I didn't necessarily love it. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other teams off the top of my head. You know, would a team like the Chargers, who I like, I said, 
You know, they, they fixed the hole in the middle of the defensive line. They got one of the top linebackers. They got the quarterback of the future. A lot of weapons around him. Um, they didn't creep into my top five. They very well could have been right outside of it. Uh, the Tennessee Titans did really well uh, in this offseason, and they killed the draft with guys that really fit their style of play. But um, those five to me right there, the Browns, Broncos, Buccaneers, Colts, and Ravens, uh, by far and away, did the best. So let's walk through my top 10 teams now. And this was tough to do. This was tough to do to uh, to figure out. It, you know, it's tough because we haven't, you know, with all these acquisitions and things like that, we're just guessing that it's all going to work. I'm guessing my, you know, my top draft prospects are going to hit like I think they will. You know, it's all just guessing right now. You know, the free agency fits are going to be great. That players don't take a step back. That other players for teams I left out of the top 10 don't take a step forward. So it's really tough. I think it was pretty, it was really easy for me to get my top four. My top four I wouldn't expect to change between now and the start of the regular season. 5 through 10 and beyond that, if we wanted to go 5 through 16 even, I think is pretty jumbled right now. So I could see myself really tweaking things um, until the regular season in those final um, six slots there. But let's work our way up 10 to 1, much as we did with the top five free agency. These are my top 10 teams post the 2020 NFL offseason. So starting off at number 10, don't shoot the messenger, but the New England Patriots are still a top 10 team in the NFL. And you say, okay, how? They lost everything. They lost a lot of guys on defense. They lost Tom Brady. Now even if Gronk returns like he is, he's not a Patriot, no receiver help. Look, the Patriots are still a top 10 team. They're just going to look different than any other team in the league. The closest resemblance I can think of is they're going to have a Ravens-type approach with a quarter of the points scored per game. And what I mean by that is they are... Look, they did this 10 years ago. Teams were big, they were physical, they hit you at the line of scrimmage, and the Patriots said, okay, we're going to spread them out. We're going to be at the forefront of this West Coast-type offense, a lot of bubble screens. You saw it replicated throughout the league for the next decade because the Patriots started that, and they were winning with it. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, those guys, those quick passes, quick reads, Tom Brady, all those short yardage throws, tight end play, getting receiving backs involved in the game. They were at the forefront of that. They won by it, and the rest of the league followed them behind. What did they do now? Defenses are quick. Defenses are maybe slimmed down. Tackling isn't at a prime necessarily. They're going the opposite way. They're saying, okay, now that you all are going to try and put up all these points a game and you're going to try and get these quick drives going, uh, we're going to resemble Army football or Navy football. And we are going to run it 40 plus times a game. We're going to physically impose our will on you for 60 minutes straight. And we'll see if you can beat us 12 to 9. I really think that the Patriots, when you take a look at their their depth chart this this um, this season, you know you've got Sony Michelle, the wide receiver talent is still not there, but they've got a strong offensive line. You know Isaiah Wynn coming back, Joe Thune coming back, David Andrews coming back. They've got Shaq Mason and Marcus Cannon as well. Um, they say, okay, we're gonna beat you to death up front. They brought in a bunch of tight ends: Devin Devin Asai, Dalton Keene. They've got Ryan Izzo. They are saying, okay, and they've also got fullbacks too. So they, they, they brought in Danny Vitale, 
Um, they are going to be power run offense, and that's all they're going to do with some uh, play-action passes in there for Jared Stidham. It's going to be super easy for Stidham next year. He's going to have to hand the ball off a bunch, and then he's going to get some pretty lucky open play-action passes because defenses are only going to bite on the run. So I think, you know, offensively, they're going to say, we're okay with scoring 10 to 14 points a game. Why? Because on defense, we're going to hold you to 6 to 9. Defensively, they brought a bunch of guys in on the front seven. Um, sure, they lost a ton in free agency, Kyle Van Noys, Jamie Collins of the world, but you still look at what they've got. they got Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise Jr., Chase Winovich. They bring in a guy like Josh Uche, linebacker still there, John Simon, Dante Hightower. And then the, the secondary is still the best in football with, with the McCordys, Patrick Chung, Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson. They draft Kyle Duggar. They've got Jonathan Jones, uh, Jawan Williams. The secondary is deep. The front seven is deep. It is talented. They say, we are going to hold you to 10 points a game and try and score 14. They're a top 10 team to me. Um, while the rest of the NFL is zigging, the Patriots are zagging. They're going to bring forward um, an old style of football, and I think they're going to try and win off of it. So Patriots at 10. At number nine, we're going with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, loved their draft. They had one of my favorite drafts. You take a look at the roster, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Rudolph, great weapons for Kirk, even though I'm not the biggest Kirk believer, I think with the weapons around him, Justin Jefferson could turn out to be an upgrade over Stefan Diggs. Offensive line is solid, uh, not the best, but they did uh, spend some picks to address it. Defensively, still very strong. They brought in a guy like Michael Pierce, uh, you know, to be one of their defensive tackles. I still believe they think they can bring Everson Griffin back um, for that right defensive end position. So you've got him opposite of Daniil Hunter. You take a look at linebacker, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr is still there. Uh, they do lose a guy in, in Xavier Rhodes who was a massive disappointment last year. They dra draft Jeff Gladney, him and Mike Hughes, a young cornerback duo, and they still got Anthony Harrison, Harrison Smith at that safety position. Um, I think that they have a solid defense. They've got good weapons on offense. Um, and it'll ride on, you know, if Kirk can have another good season. I thought he wasn't bad last year. You know, I, I was saying, let's pump the brakes. He is going to, uh, pan, or you know, he's going to fall off a massive cliff soon, and the Vikings would follow suit. Look, they beat the Saints in the first round of the playoffs. They did get thumped in the second round, but I, I am open to admit that I was wrong. And then with what they did this offseason, um, solid draft. I think they're a top 10 team and have to be uh, thought of as such. Number eight. The Buffalo Bills, one of my favorite teams. I thought they were they had a, also a pretty solid offseason. The big acquisition, of course, getting Josh Allen, a top wide receiver finally, and Stephon Diggs. Uh, so now Diggs not only is the number one, but John Brown isn't counted on as a number one. He can be the number two, which means Cole Beasley can, instead of being a number two, be a number three. So those two working, you know, the middle of the field, Stephon Diggs going deep, um, I, I think we'll get a uh, an extra bump this next season from Dawson Knox at tight end. The offensive line is is good. It's not great. But you take a look at the defense, you know, bringing in A.J. Epinesa was a perfect fit for Buffalo. Um, you know, he'll probably be the backup to Trent Murphy. Um, or, you know, you got Jerry Hughes there as well too. But then defensive tackle, star Lutalele, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver was one of my favorite rookies last year. Uh, linebackers, okay. You know, it's pretty good. Tremaine Edmonds, still a really young talent. I think has a lot of potential left to go. Um, you know, on the other sides, you've got Matt Milano and AJ Klein, secondary Tredavious White, one of the best corners in football. Uh, they also brought in Josh Norman. I don't expect it to work out there. I, I don't even think maybe he starts, 
Um, and then safety is, is, is solid with Jordan, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. The, the thing riding on the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, this has to be the year he, he takes that step. You know, we're waiting on it. We got it a little bit last year. You think, you know, okay, the, the game against Dallas, he was really good. He had a couple great games last year. We need to see it consistently. Accuracy, not the greatest yet, but it's getting better. Uh, turnover still not great, but he didn't throw a pick for the second half of the season, I think. I think he won a pretty long stretch without turning the ball over. Um, if he can take that next step, the Buffalo Bills should anoint themselves as the top team in the AFC East. I think that they're in a position now where they can say we can beat the Patriots once, if not twice, handle the Jets and the Dolphins, and not have to worry about fighting for a wild card spot. So the Bills at number eight. Number seven, I said they wasted their Super Bowl window. They're still a top 10 team in the league, the Green Bay Packers. Don't love the draft. Didn't necessarily love the offseason. Uh, but they still have talent, and they were one of the four best teams last year. So to say that they're seven isn't that whole isn't that big of of a, a drop off for me um and look say AJ Dillon is a stud sure that's great you've got three really good wide receivers Jamal Williams becomes expendable at that point you got uh, Aaron Jones in there as well too wide receiver they brought in Devin Funches a vet number two guy good possession receiver lets Devontae work more deep Alan Lazard work more deep um so now instead of you know Counting on Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez-Scantling to have these significant roles, they're more depth guys. Offensive line, you lose um, <clears throat> Brian Balaga at right tackle. You, you bring in Rick Wagner. Offensive line is still pretty good. you got one of the best left tackles in David Bakhtiari. Um, Billy Turner at right guard. Defense, biggest problem here. They didn't really address the run defense that much. They have Kenny Clark at nose tackle. Uh, they brought in Christian Kirksey. They lose Blake Martinez at that linebacker position. They've got the Smith brothers, of course, on the outsides. Uh, secondary, it's young, has a lot of potential. Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Kevin King. Um, they've got you know former uh, JMU great Raven Green there as well, too, as backup strong safety. Look, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers are still going to be a playoff team. I don't think they are a Super Bowl team. I think... My top four, like I was saying, that won't change through the regular season are my Super Bowl caliber teams, um, and then and then 10 through 5 are going to have to fight their way into proving me that they can be. So the Green Bay Packers didn't address um, their needs enough this offseason to uh, put themselves into Super Bowl contention. So them at 7. Number 6, a team that we were talking about earlier today that has elevated themselves into playoff contention based on their offseason you know, the, the biggest offseason um, in terms of popularity, without a doubt, uh, that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The offense, it's talented. Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn at, at running back, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, a solid offensive line that was capped off with Tristan Wirfs at right tackle now. Uh, right guard, still not the best, but serviceable. Then defensively, front seven, you've got Adama Kungsu, Vita Vea, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, William Golston, Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Holy shit, that is talent right there. Now, you, think, you look at linebacker. I mean, the mix of vets and, and young guys with a ton of potential. I love Devin White. Shaq Barrett was a phenomenal. And, of course, Levante David and JPP are good veterans to have there, too. Defensive backs. I like Carlton Davis uh, out of Auburn a couple years back. 
like I said, Antoine Winfield Jr. was my number one um, safety. The biggest reason that I can't put Tampa higher than six at this point is just because there's so much we haven't seen on the field yet. You know, we're putting together this offense and just assuming that it's going to work, that Tom Brady is not going to take a step back, that Rob Gronkowski can be as dominant as he was before, um, before he retired and then is coming back and working his way back into football shape. We haven't seen that work yet. So, you know, look, I have to be a little bit skeptical. I need to see it for a few weeks before I say they can be one of the top five teams and, and contend for a Super Bowl. They are a playoff team. They're a team that can go far in the postseason, but I don't think they've got Super Bowl potential yet. I'm still worried about the secondary, of course, and I guess depth at the offensive line also, if that needs to be um, pointed out there as well, too. But splashiest offseason, getting the GOAT, getting the most talented tight end, uh, Buccaneers at six. Number five, my fringe Super Bowl contender, the Dallas Cowboys. They were massively disappointing last season, uh, and of course, doing so, they fired uh, Jason Garrett, bringing Mike McCarthy. The offense... Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Blake Jarwin at tight end. Still a top offensive line. I know they lose um, their center, but they've got Joe Looney there, uh, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, Connor Williams, and Tyrone Smith as that offensive line. It's no longer, you know, one of the top three offensive lines, but it's a top five to seven offensive line. And then defensively, Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe, Tyrone Crawford, Leighton, Va Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee, very, very good front seven. Um, of course, they lose their top cornerback in Byron Jones. They've got Shadobe Awuzie, Trevon Diggs. They draft out of Alabama. Um, two very young, talented corners. Could be a very strong duo a few years down the road. Safety, not too bad. Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix and Xavier Woods. The big thing here is, is Mike McCarthy. Is Mike McCarthy the guy that can elevate them beyond what Jason Garrett couldn't? To me, this is just coaching, you know, and it's offensively, I've got all the confidence in the world in Dak Prescott. I think by the end of next season, we're calling him a top five quarterback. If we aren't already, he was phenomenal. Um, Zeke, he got paid. A little worried about the salary a couple years down the road when you have to extend some of those defensive guys. You got to figure out what to do with the wide receiver position. But one, two, three. Wide receiver, we haven't seen CeeDee Lamb in the um, in the NFL yet. That's one of the top trios in the league uh, if he pans out as he did in college, of course, was my top receiving prospect. Blake Jarwin, a guy that's, you know, serviceable, has a lot of upside, a young guy there. Um, defensively front seven, it's strong. Defensive tackle, they're a little old. You know, Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy up there in age, but you've got Neville Gallimore, who you draft, um, who can can slide in there a, a year down the road or maybe halfway through the season if Poe isn't necessarily um, as strong as you would like him to be. Linebackers, it's young with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Sean Lee, not asking him to do a whole bunch at this point. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, oh, can't even forget they brought in Greg the Leg. You know, kicker was a little bit of a concern for them. Um, but they go in and they get a great kicker uh, with the Rams. You're moving him indoors now. Um, I love it. I, you know, I think that the Cowboys are one of the best teams in football. Is going to come down to um, is Mike McCarthy the guy that can can take them to where they should be? Because on paper, this roster is, is one of the most talented uh, offensive, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. So now we're into the top four. These are where I say are your four Super Bowl contenders. Um, number four right now, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. I don't love their offseason. But they did a few things. They tra traded a few guys. They, you know, they did enough to still keep themselves there. You know, 
they should have they ended the season at number two, being the the team from the NFC to represent them. Only dropping to four isn't that bad. You take a look what they've got on the roster. You keep Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert is there, Tevin Coleman is there. Um, they get rid of oh god I can't even remember his name. Traded away one. Well, you know who I'm talking about. You're, you know I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure it out. Wide receiver. Debo Samuel, great. Kendrick Bourne, solid. They trade away Marquise Goodwin. They draft Brandon Ayuk, who was supposedly, and of course he's going to say this. Why wouldn't he say this? Kyle Shanahan's top receiver in this draft class. Tight end, George Kittle, one of the best in business. Uh, they lose Joe Staley, who retires because of injuries. What do they do? They trade a round three pick and a round four or five, and uh, they get Trent Williams, who you get him for that value. Sure, he's a little bit older. Sure, you have to pay him a lot. One of the best left tackles in football. Helps that offensive line. It's still a little weak in the front three. I don't love the guard and center play. Mike McGlinchey, um, you know, Notre Dame right tackle right there. Defensively, I thought it was a mistake to uh, to trade away, you know, an all-pro defensive tackle just to draft his replacement. Look, if the upside is there for Javon Kinlaw, that's great. If it pans out, great. I don't like the idea. You know you have a an all-pro talent at the position. Let's trade him for a guy that's four years younger and just bank that, that he'll be just as good. So the defensive line is still solid. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, but um, I do think it's a significant downgrade um, from DeForest Buckner to Javon Kinlaw. Even though I had a first-round grade on Kinlaw, it's going to take years for him to get to, Nick Bo or to, get to DeForest Buckner's talent if he ever does. You know, you know what DeForest Buckner is, you're taking a gamble on what Javon Kinlaw could be. Linebackers, solid. Quan Alexander and Fred Warner, I like it. Uh, secondary, not a whole lot to love. It's getting old, for sure. Uh, Jimmy Ward, Richard Sherman, you got Drake Greenlaw. Jaquiski Tart is a younger guy. And then Emmanuel Mosley in there as well, too. Um, you know, opposite Richard Sherman. Secondary would be a little bit worrisome for me. Um, but like you said, when you got a front seven that's as talented as it is, it really didn't, they didn't need to have a great secondary, of course, until they got to the Super Bowl. And, and when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you need a great secondary to win. Um, so the 49ers, coaching is great. Offensively, they're going to be just as good. They're not going to miss a beat, you know, with, with losing, you know, Joe Staley because they replace him. You know, losing Marquise Goodwin, you draft Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, with a second year will be uh, even a bigger part of the offense. The running game will be just as good because Kyle Shanahan is one of the best run designers in the league. Um, I'm just a little worried that they got a little bit worse on defense. And of course, that secondary isn't getting any younger. Uh, 49ers at four. Number three, you know, I usually love to hate on this team, but um, I thought the Saints did a, a really good job this offseason, especially in the draft. They bring back Drew Brees. They, they re-sign Jameis Winston to kind of be that Teddy Bridgewater role. Low salary guy that's hoping to get a next contract. So if Brees does end up going down, you can throw in Jameis Winston there. And, you know, he kind of does some things that Brees can't in terms of, okay, he can actually throw the ball pretty far down the field. He's an aggressive guy. Um, he needs to refine his tools and become a little bit more smarter with the football. And hopefully he can do that um, under the um, leadership of Brees and Sean Payton. One of the better, you know, offensive weapons in Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Those guys are tremendous. Emmanuel Sanders is the guy they bring in to be their wide receiver too. Do I think necessarily that, you know, the 49ers might have picked up on something saying he's getting pretty over the hill potentially. 
Um, but wide receiver two is always a need for the Saints. You know, they've been relying on Michael Thomas and then Traquan Smith as their number two. So now they get Emmanuel Sanders, and hopefully if he's not falling off a cliff yet due to age, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great one-two punch there. Offensive line, one of the best in football. Um, and then they also draft one of my top interior offensive linemen, my top graded, the only one with a first-round grade in Cesar Ruiz. So a great pick there by the New Orleans Saints. Defensively, uh, I love Marcus Davenport. He's been a little banged up through his first two years. I think he can take that next step um, and be a, a great uh, pass rusher, opposite of Cameron Jordan. Don't love the defensive tackles with Sheldon Rankins and Malcolm Brown, but it's it's solid. It'll do. Um, they got one of the steals of the draft to me and Zach Bond. I think he fell to them in the third round. He had a first-round grade for me at the linebacker position, can kind of be your defensive end or or outside linebacker. So um, whether he is, you know, backing up Marcus Davenport or replacing one of these linebackers like, a, you know, like an Alex Anzalone, sure. Um, linebackers are pretty old, Demario Davis and Kiko Alonso. So, you know, if Bond can play that linebacker position, I think that's great. Probably where he is needed more than, you know, um, defensive end behind Jordan and Marcus Davenport. And then, yeah, they've got a good mix of vets and young guys in the secondary, Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. And then, of course, bringing in Malcolm Jenkins to be um, that starting strong safety. Um, you know, older guy gives Chauncey Gardner-Johnson some more time to um, get comfortable in the NFL. And then Janoris Jenkins, the Jackrabbit, um, who they were able to pick up in the middle of last season. On, on, on paper, it's it's a tremendous starting lineup. A little worried about the depth. Kind of with the 49ers, you know, I, I'm worried about the linebacking core. I think their defense might not be as good as it was last year. Um, and, and, of course, you always do have to be a little worried when it comes to a quarterback playing into his 40s. Drew Brees is not um, – he hasn't experienced the drop-off, the massive drop-off yet. It wasn't as good last year, of course, in years past, but um, you do have to be a little worried. But I think Sean Payton figures it out. Of course, you've got a weapon like Taysom Hill there that you can throw into the run, into the passing game, play him at quarterback. Um, you know, this is one of the best teams last year. They got surprised by the, the Vikings in, in what was a crazy game and a, and a heartbreaking loss again for the Saints. This is their last year to make it work with Breeze. He's already accepted a contract to uh, be an analyst with, I believe, CBS uh, next year, NBC. I can't remember, but... Um, to me, they have on paper one of the best rosters. It's now just putting it all together together, and, and um, resurrecting three years of, of, you know, getting over the hump of three awful uh, ways to leave the playoffs. So Saints at three. Number two and number one, uh, I spent a lot of time talking about the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm not going to um, really expand on it much further. But you take a look, you know, they were – one of the best teams in the AFC regular season last year. They got bounced from the playoffs early by the Tennessee Titans. They've got the reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson, the running back room with Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, just Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill is phenomenal. Um, wide receiver, they got Devin Duvernay, who can be, you know, either can creep his way into one of those starting outside roles, um, you know, or can be a great depth guy. They've got Willie Sneed there, Miles Boykins as well. Tight end Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, two great guys. Uh, they replace... While he's not as good, they replace Marshall Yonder with DJ Fluker. Orlando Brown Jr. still a great tackle. Ronnie Stanley as well, too. Um, interior offensive line, not as strong as it was last year, obviously. Um, and then the defense. I ran through it again. Let's just say these names again. Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, Matthew Judon, Patrick Queen, Jalen Ferguson, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters. That's not to mention guys like Tavon Young, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine Sr., 
Jimmy Smith, Jihad Ward, Patrick Ricard, Justin Matabuke, Malik Harrison. The defense is deep. Special teams is great. Uh, they're well coached. To me, um, in terms of, of you know, they're, they're the Super Bowl contender as long as Lamar Jackson is playing with a lead. Um, that's the one concern for me is just because we haven't seen it yet. They're always playing pretty comfortably with a lead. Um, you know, I got a little worried with how Tennessee kind of jumped on them and their offense kind of uh, didn't know where to go beyond that. So Ravens at two and the number one, it's the, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They add Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back. They've got Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey. It's unfair. And then the offensive line is still very good. Eric Fisher, LeVon DuVernay-Tardif, Mitchell Swartz, uh, maybe getting a little bit older. So probably, you know, they draft Lucas Nyang, uh, who was a top graded tackle for me um, in my top 100. So he's an eventual replacement there. Um, and then defensively, it's not perfect, but they're saying, okay, we're just not expecting that you'll be able to put up 30-plus points on us. You know, Alex Okafor, Chris Jones, Derek Nandi, Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens, Brashad Breeland, who was um, actually arrested uh, when you're listening to this yesterday on some charges, so see what they do there. Um, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, uh, first-round pick from last year, and then Chavarius Ward. It's not a great defense, but it's solid. It won't allow 30-plus points a game. And then special teams, Harrison Bucker, uh, in the return game, Tyree Cole and Mecole Hardman is a scary duo to have um, in terms of special team returners. So they're my top team. Just to run through those top 10 real quick, one more time. One, the Kansas City Chiefs. Two, the Baltimore Ravens. Three, the New Orleans Saints. Four, the San Francisco 49ers. Those are my four Super Bowl contenders at this point. Um, and then, you know, five, the Dallas Cowboys. Six, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, seven, the Green Bay Packers. Eight, Buffalo Bills. Nine, Minnesota Vikings. And ten, New England Patriots. Those are my top ten teams. Post-2020 offseason, free agency and draft are all done now. That's where I see them going. Of course, there's a few more months heading up till the season where things can certainly change outside of those top four. So we've got two pretty long podcasts now, back-to-back, or we've had a, a stretch of some longer podcasts. I'll probably keep the next few ones closer to that 30 to 40 minute time frame, but um, that's kind of how I view teams, how they did this offseason, and then also my top 10 teams as we prepare for the next year. So uh, thank you guys for listening as always. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe to the podcast, share it with friends. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace for all of my content. Um, and keep on, uh, keep on keeping on. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hopefully we're, we're nearing the comeback um, where we can start going outside and doing things like our normal lives. But until then, stay safe, play it smart, stay inside, stay healthy, um, enjoy your weekend, and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon next week with hopefully some, some new segments and new things that we'll carry on for these next few months. My name is Blake Pace. Thank you for listening to Quick Hits. We'll see you next week. Peace.